0: Well, howdy there, Internet people. Lidsbow again. So today we are going to talk about escalation and provocations in relationship to foreign policy. There are a lot of people who are framing the recent decision to supply Ukraine more as an escalation. And there are people wondering if that is an accurate framing. It depends on what they mean. Is it an escalation in the quality of equipment being provided? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely is. Is it an escalation in the conflict itself? No, no, not at all in any way. What's this equipment going to be used for? It's going to be used to mount a counteroffensive. What has Ukraine been doing mounting counteroffensives? It doesn't really change that. It doesn't escalate that. It just shifts the dynamics and makes them more capable at doing that. Um, now, as far as an escalation goes, you have to remember how this started. Russia launched an unprovoked surprise invasion in violation of international law. The, the only... Real escalations from there would be for NATO to get involved directly, or strategic arms. One of those isn't going to happen because most people aren't insane. The other is unlikely to happen because it doesn't appear to be needed, and it would be better for Ukraine to do it on their own. They don't come out on the other side as a country that NATO had to protect. They come out the other side as a major power in Europe, uh, under their own power. Uh, aside from that, when people talk about escalation, the worry is the response escalation. What's Russia going to do? Invade? They're already there. This, this has already started. The The war is ongoing. Um, Ukraine is holding its own against Russia. Russia understands it cannot go toe-to-toe with NATO. That That isn't a real concern. Um, the flip side to this, at what point does Putin begin to see foreign aid packages no differently than directly engaging? If there's no response or if there's no difference in risk of a nuclear response, why not just go in and finish it? Putin probably does view the aid packages as directly engaging. He's definitely not happy about it. Um, But the question you have to ask is, what's he going to do? He can't go toe-to-toe with NATO. Take it out of foreign policy. Put it into a normal street fight. You walk up and hit someone, bang, okay, knock them down, they get up, and, and, and they, they hit you. And when you're taking a step back, somebody beside them hands them a lead pipe. You're probably really unhappy with the person who handed that lead pipe over, right? But what are you going to focus on? You're not going to start a fight with another person. Especially because, in, in the analogy, there's like an army of people with lead pipes right behind them. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and, 6-1 since that matters, and, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So he probably does view it in, I don't know if he views it as, as direct engagement, but he definitely views it in an unfavorable light. Now, as far as the, the nuclear response option, NATO getting directly involved does escalate the risk of that, but that's probably not why NATO isn't getting involved. It has to do with the situation on the ground, the political situation at home, and the future stability of Europe. It is much better for NATO, for Ukraine, to come out of this a major power in Europe Long-term poker table strategy right there. Um, It means that if there is further Russian aggression, they have to go through a major power first. It's better for Ukraine because they don't end up a, a country within NATO that is just that one NATO accepted after they saved it. They're a major power under their own power. Um, as far as the nuclear response, a strategic response, it's the same thing that we've talked about before. It's unlikely. Putin understands that if if that happens, he's number one. He is the 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 number one target. Him. His family, they're gone. That is going to happen if that occurs. Um, So he probably wants to avoid that. Even in a conventional U.S. response or a conventional NATO response to something very limited um, that is using strategic arms, Putin and his family are gone. And... Even conventionally, Russia is destroyed. That takes it to a whole new level of devastation that nobody wants. Nobody wants. Putin wanted wealth, safety, security, all of that stuff. That's what it was about. Um, Going from that trying to expand and rebuild the Russian Empire to being the person who totally destroys Russia, probably doesn't want that as as his legacy. Um, The key thing here is Russia cannot go toe-to-toe with NATO. It's not a possibility. It's not something they can do. So NATO is in the position of being able to supply this without really worrying about a conventional response. Um, and relatively safe in the assumption that Putin isn't going to want to trigger the devastation of his country. Um, so that, that's where we're at. This, this isn't an escalation in the conflict. It's not broadening the conflict. It isn't deepening it. If anything, it might speed the end of it, uh, which is good. Again, the equipment that is being supplied, when you view it all together, that, that's, that's a pretty amazing force. It would be great if Russia understood that it can't go toe-to-toe with NATO. And by extension, It can't go toe-to-toe with NATO's equipment, even if if only used at half of its capabilities. Russia just isn't what it used to be. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day.